there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. We've been looking at the sermon series, Ingredients of Building. Have you enjoyed this series so far? Has it been a blessing to you? And we have been camping on this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 6 because we've been looking at the language of the kingdom, which is the language of building. Of course, the background of my sermon series is in Genesis chapter 11, where we see these people who came together and they decided that they are going to build, they are going to build a tower that will reach to the heavens. And we saw that the first thing they had was unity. Somebody say unity. unity. Which was the unity of heart. And I believe that is the highest form of unity. When our hearts are united, it's a powerful thing. And then secondly is the language. They spoke one language. And we've been looking at this language. You know, the different shades of this language of building. Number one we have seen is the language of revelation. Somebody say revelation. Number two is the language of knowledge. And then number three is the language of prophecy. And today I want to finish by looking at the language of teaching. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 6. Beam up the scripture quickly. We read First Corinthians. Paul says, but now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues... What shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? So we want to look at the language of teaching. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your anointing and your grace to speak, to preach, to teach, to articulate your word, to prophesy your oracles over your people. I pray that may their hearts be open to receive the word that you have for them today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them the language of teaching. Now, the first book I ever bought was an English dictionary. Oxford English Dictionary. Because I wanted to be a wordsmith. I wanted to really, really understand this language of communication. Um, that I could hear people using to communicate. And so my first, first book that I bought with my own money for myself was Oxford English Dictionary. I still have it in my house. It's so thick, so huge like this. And every time I could read um, a book or read, read the newspaper and I encountered a new word, I could rush to my dictionary to go and check what that word means. And I'm so glad, uh, you know, I started on this journey of reading and understanding this language because it has prepared me for what I am doing right now. I'm able to, uh, I'm able to communicate, I'm able to preach, I'm able to declare God's word with clarity because um, of beginning this journey of understanding this language and becoming a very versatile communicator when it comes to passing across information to different types of audiences. Now, you cannot appreciate the power of teaching if you don't desire to be taught. Let me say that again. You cannot appreciate the power of teaching if you don't desire to be taught, for you to desire or actually experience, let me rephrase, for you to experience the power of teaching, you must desire to be taught. There are many, many people who could have known so much, who could have grown so fast, who could have achieved so much if only they humbled themselves to be taught. The power of teaching can only be experienced with people who desire to be taught. Now, for you to be taught, you must inculcate the following. Number one, you must recognize that you don't know everything. Look at your neighbor and tell them you don't know everything. 
Some of them look like they know a lot, but tell them you don't know everything. Please talk to your neighbor. Why are you not talking to your neighbor? It's like some of you already know what I'm going to preach. Talk to your neighbor and tell them you don't know everything. So you must recognize that you don't know everything. Every single day of our lives, we are learning something new. Every year, we are learning something new. Have you ever met a chatterbox? A chatterbox is somebody who speaks and can never stop speaking. They speak, 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 and they never give you time to speak. They don't have time to listen to others. If you are chatterbox, you are speaking all the time. You limit yourself when it comes to learning something new. There are people who seem to know everything. They know everything about politics. They know everything about business. They know everything about prayer. They know everything about ministry. They know everything about marriage. And some of them are not even marriage, married. And they know everything about marriage. They know everything about parenting. They know everything about money. Look, you don't know everything. And you must recognize and accept the fact that you don't know everything. Tell your neighbor one more time, you don't know everything. Secondly, for you to really, you know, appreciate the power of teaching, for you to be taught, you must recognize that there are people who know more than you do. There are people who know so much more than what you do. Thank God for what you know. But if you keep living, if you keep traveling, if you keep interacting with people, you realize that there are people who are way ahead of you. And if you humble yourself, you can be able to learn one or two things from them. There will always be somebody who knows more than you. There will always be, hey, you're very quiet. There will always be somebody who is more beautiful than you. There will always be somebody who is taller than you. There will always be somebody who is slender than you. You think you are slender. You meet somebody who is slender than you. And there will always be somebody who knows more than you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You see, many people, because they don't want to be intimidated, they want to hang around people who don't know much so they can intimidate them with the little knowledge that they have. But if you widen your circle, you will meet people who know more than you do. And they can teach you one or two things about life, about ministry, about your career, about so many things concerning your life. Amen. Number three, you must inculcate the attitude of a student, regardless of your age, for you to be able to learn. You must become a student. Tell your neighbor, become a student. That means you must open up yourself to learning. You must humble yourself for you to be able to learn. Hallelujah. Yes, I know you can sing, but there are people who can really sing. I know you can preach, but there are people who can really, really preach. I know you can pray, but there are people who can really, really pray. There are people who pray until you keep quiet. There are people who pray until you wish they don't call you to pray after they pray. They should call you to pray before they pray. Isn't it? So you must humble yourself and become a student for you to be able to learn from others. So teaching will never take place until you put these things into place in your life. Until you inculcate these attitudes in your life. Now, teaching was both in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. <coughs> in Exodus chapter 24 and verse 12, excuse me, <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses, come to me on the mountain and be there, and I'll give you tablets of stone and the law and, command, and, and, and commandments which I have written that you may teach. Somebody shall teach. So God is telling Moses, I'm going to give you tables of stone. I'm going to give you the law. I'm going to give you commandments so that you may go and teach the children of Israel. Teach them many, many things. I want them to understand many things because these are a bunch of slaves who are coming from Egypt. The only thing they knew was to work for the Egyptians. They were working as slaves in Egypt, and so they didn't have time to learn. They didn't have time to go to school. They didn't have time to attend a Bible school. They didn't have a time, uh, they didn't have time to inculcate certain disciplines in their character or in their lives. So I want you to teach them many things. I'm going to give you laws. I'm going to give you commandments. I'm going to give you uh, 
principles that they need to adhere to because I want them to become better. In the New Testament, we also see Jesus taking time to teach multitudes. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 34, the Bible says, And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And so he began, shout the word. Is that a shout? Shout the word. He began to teach them many things. There were so many things. He looked at the crowd and he could see that these are a bunch of ignorant people. They don't know so much. And so he decided, let me teach them so many things. We don't know some of the things that he really taught them. Because the Bible says that if everything that Jesus did was ever written, no books could have contained all the things that he did, all the things that he taught. So he taught them so many things. Many, many, many things. Things about prayer, things about, you know, their relationship with God, things about obeying God, things about serving God. He taught them so many things. So we see teachings in the Old Testament. And actually we see teaching in the Old Testament and we also see teaching in the New Testament. Please adjust my sound so you can remove that poo sound. Uh, I, I, I don't need it. It's not part of my preaching. The early church as well continued with the practice. Acts chapter 5. And verse 42, the Bible says, And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So the early church also continued with the same uh, tradition, the same practice of teaching, teaching the believers, teaching the new converts that were, that, that were joining the church. It was not just about preaching, it was teaching. And I will show you what teaching is all about. Daily, in fact they were doing it every day. Daily in the temple. And then in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So the Apostle Paul also took time to teach different churches. He went to Ephesus, planted a church. He went to Corinth and planted a church. He went to Galatia and planted a church. But also, he did something else. He was grounding the believers that were getting saved in those cities by teaching them the word of God. He taught on ministry gifts. He taught on the fruit of the spirit. He taught on the importance of serving God. He taught on prayer. He taught on giving. He taught on holiness. He taught on marriage. He taught on a rela the relationship between a master and a servant. He taught so many things. Teaching, ladies and gentlemen, is indeed the language of the kingdom. It is through teachings that the stage is set for the building of anything worthwhile. I need to say that again. It is through teachings. Hey, my sound. It is through teachings that the stage is set for the building of anything worthwhile. Can somebody say amen? Now, teaching builds quality. Say that with me. Teaching. Please say it again. Teaching. Shout it louder. Teaching establishes excellence. Teaching gives rise to value. Teaching will establish a kingdom legacy. There is something that happens where teachings are available. Teaching will build quality. Teaching will establish excellence. Teaching gives rise to value. Teaching, ladies and gentlemen, will establish a kingdom legacy. So you're asking me, so what is teaching? To teach, therefore, is to inform and instruct someone by precept, example, or experience. I'll say that again. Teaching, therefore, is to inform and instruct someone by precept, by example, or experience. Those three things are very important for you to understand because if you don't understand those three things, you will never appreciate the power of teaching. 
And remember, we are looking at the language of the kingdom, which is the language of building. It involves teaching. When you are taught, when you are instructed, when you receive information that makes you, makes you think in a certain way, you will behave in tandem with the information you have received. True or not true? You will act in tandem with the information you have received. That's why ignorance is dangerous. Talk to me, somebody. That's why you need to be taught. That's why you need to be informed. You need to be instructed. When you are informed and you are instructed, you will align your life. You will align your values. You will align your character. You will align your choices to the information you have received. That's why teaching is powerful. So it's to inform and instruct someone by precept. Somebody say precept. By example. Somebody say example. Or experience. So by precept means using principles that have been proven over time. They are principles that people have put into place. They are Principles that people have practiced and they have proven, they have been proven over time. By precept means that when you take these principles that people have used, have put into place in their lives, have practiced in their lives, you are going to experience what they have already experienced. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 100, the Bible says, I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. There is something about principles. And you see the Bible says um, that God is not a respecter of persons, isn't it? So that means God respects principles. If you can put principles into place in your life, if you can practice principles in your life, you're going to have wonderful results. If somebody has done something and it has worked for them, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just do what they did and you will experience what they have experienced. Can I get an amen? For example, Jesus prayed. That's why he was effective in ministry. So if you want to be effective in ministry, there is a principle right there and the principle is prayer. If you start praying, you will see or experience what Jesus experienced. Talk to me somebody. Are we together? There's the principle of giving. And the Bible says if you put this principle into practice in your life, you are going to experience abundance in your life. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Take the principle and start practicing it. And through that principle, you will experience outstanding results in your life. Can I get an amen in this house? Can I get a louder amen in this house? So teaching is through precepts. Secondly, teaching is by example. Is by example. And example is through two ways. Number one, we have bad examples. You can also learn from bad examples. You can learn from bad examples so that you don't do what those people did. Because if you do what they did, you will experience what they experienced. Talk to me, somebody. So we also learn from bad examples. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7 to 11, it says, And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to, pray, to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complain, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So, it's a bad example here that we should learn from. If we do what they did, we'll experience what they experienced. They committed sexual immorality, they died. So if you commit sexual immorality, you will die. Tell your neighbor, you will die. 
They tempted Christ. And when they tempted Christ or tempted God, they were beaten by serpents. They complained and grumbled and murmured and they were destroyed by the destroyer. And then the Bible says all these things happened as an example to us that we may not do what they did. All these bad examples are to warn us not to tread on the same path. Because if we do so, then we are going to experience what they experience. But also we have good examples that we can learn from. For example, Nehemiah, when he was building the walls of Jerusalem, he encountered opposition. Opposition comes sometimes when you're doing the right thing. In fact, I'd rather have opposition when I'm doing the right thing than have opposition when I'm doing the wrong thing. He was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He engaged himself in a building project and Sanballat, Tobias, and the rest rose up against him, mocking him, trying to stop him from building, you know, the walls of Jerusalem. But we can learn something here from Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, now it happened. Give me the other microphone I preach. Now it happened when Sanballat, Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, and there were no bricks left in it. For at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates. Then Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. This is Nehemiah speaking. There are guys who wanted to trick him to go to a village. The name of the village is Ono. It sounds like it was in Nigeria. But they thought to do me harm. This is what Nehemiah says. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing, I love that phrase. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? So we are learning from Nehemiah that when you are engaged in a project, when you engage in something good that God has put in your heart to accomplish or to do, and opposition comes your way, you don't need to be distracted. You should refuse to be distracted. Touch your neighbor and tell them, refuse to be distracted. This is a good example that we need to learn from. Because every time you decide that you're going to do something for God, there will be distractions. The enemy will try and distract you. He will even start up people to come and distract you so that you may not uh, complete the work that God has given you to do. And that's why we must learn from Nehemiah that when distractions come, we are going to say we shall not leave the work of God. We shall not leave the project that God has given unto us to go with you to the village of Ono. Because we know that you want to take us away from our mission so that you may destroy our lives. We shall stay focused and build the wall. We shall stay focused and build the church. We shall stay focused and build the pillars and build the cathedral until we finish it in the name of Jesus. Slap your neighbor and tell them stay focused. My goodness, in this period, I declare that nobody will distract us. Nobody will distract you. Nobody will take your attention away. We shall build the house of God until we shall finish it in the name of Jesus. You will not be discouraged. You will not be derailed. You will not be confused. Sanballat will not derail you. Tobias will not derail you. You will stay focused until we finish the house of God. Shout a louder amen in this house. So it's through a good example that we learn what we should do. And it's through a bad example that we learn what we should not do. Thirdly, 
We also learn from experience. Teaching is through experience. Experience simply means experiential knowledge. Experience is a teacher. I think you've heard somebody say that. Experience is a teacher. Actually, the best teacher. Experience is the best teacher. Once beaten. Why are you shy? Because experience has taught you a lesson. So now you are careful. You are shy. You are, you are not running into things, isn't it? You are not quick to trust somebody. Are, are we together? If somebody cons you some monies, you learn from that experience. Somebody comes and says, you know, I'm, 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 I'm born again. I, I, I love the Lord. I'm telling you, I've been praying and I've been fasting about this need and the Lord directed me to you. When you hear the Lord has directed the person to you, 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 you merit. Of all these people, the Lord has selected me to be of help to this particular person. You melt. And then you say, hey, what did the Lord say? The Lord directed me to you because I have a need. And I need 20,000 shillings. And I want you to give me the 20,000 shillings. And after one month, I'm going to return the 20,000 shillings with interest. And because you have already melted, because the Lord has directed this person to you, you even give them 21,000 shillings. You tell them there are 1,000 is for you to eat lunch as you are going with my 20,000 shillings. <laughs> then after one month, you are expecting a call or you are expecting even to see the person coming to you with your 20,000. He doesn't come. He doesn't call. So you call the person and the person tells you, hey, the world is not easy. Things are tough. Then you tell them, so when are you bringing my money? Tells you, give me one more month. Extend some grace to me. Then you are a nice Christian. Do unto others. There are scriptures that come into your head. Do unto others. What do you expect them to do unto you, isn't it? Love your neighbor. So you give them another one month. This time when you call, the phone is not going through. You look for the person. The person even doesn't come to church. Six months later, another sister comes. The Lord directed me to you. <laughs> the moment they say that, you are antennas. They are elongated immediately. Because you know this person wants to con you the way the other person conned you. And so you become stingy because through that experience you have learned something. You are now wiser. Isn't it? I'm not saying that you cannot help people. But when you go through an experience, you learn something that makes you protect yourself as well. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. You see, the first time you fell in love, it was very easy. True or not true? Yeah, you saw this person across the room. He was looking at you, winking. Hey. You felt so nice. For the first time since you were born, somebody is winking at you. It really moved you. He winked again. And again. And again. Hey. And you're like, wow, I'm this beautiful. I didn't know I'm beautiful. He winks again. And again, and the pastor is preaching. Now you're not even listening to the sermon. <laughs> After that, you meet, you talk. The relationship begins, gives you so many promises. Hey, the relationship begins. Only to realize you're not the only one he's winking at. <laughs> 
When you come out of that relationship and you go somewhere else and somebody winks at you, you know, you will tell him, are you, are you okay? Is, is your head... <laughs> Do you have a problem with your eyes? Do you need eye drops? Why are your eyes blinking, blinking all the time? <laughs> Experience. How many know what I'm talking about in this house? Experience is a teacher. It will teach you some things. It will teach you to slow down. It will teach you not to be quick, to give somebody the entire heart. Entire, it's like you have removed it. Say, I have placed it in your hand. Whatever you do with it is up to you. Hey, this time you are very careful. You don't even give the heart. You give your hair, a strand of your hair. Is <laughs> experience. Tell your neighbor is experience. Experience will teach you lessons, unforgettable lessons, and through experience. You are able to gain wisdom concerning some things. Look at what the Bible says in Job chapter 12 and verse 12. Job, Job, Job. Give me the book of Job. This is what the Bible says. Wisdom is with aged men and with length of days understanding. This talks about experience because experience comes with the passing on of time. You know, sometimes I hear young Teenagers say, they, they, they say, I'm stressed. I say, what, 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 what do you know about stress? <laughs> Please shut up. You don't know what stress is. 12-year-old, I'm stressed. I'm like, hmm, what do you know about stress? You don't know nothing. Shut your mouth and sit down. Wait, you grow, grow a little bit so you understand what stress is. Wisdom is with the aged. They have lived. Huh? They have been on this world, on this earth for many years. And through many experiences, they have gained wisdom. Through many challenges, they have gained wisdom. Through many difficulties, they have gained wisdom. Through a lot of ups and downs, they have gained Wisdom. You know, I started doing ministry, serious ministry in 1998. Yesterday we were having a meeting with some of the pastors. And I was asking some of them, in 1998, where were you? And I realized some of them had not even been born. Yeah, zero years, 1998, when I started ministry. Look, that tells you that I have something to say about ministry. Only one person said true. I wish I had some, some dollars I could have. That's a long time. That's a long time being in ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and I have not been involved in a secular job. I, I, I don't know how to work in a secular job. I've never worked in a bank. I've never, I've never, I've de I've never done sales. I've never sold SIM cards. So, so, <laughs> so there are things I don't know. But when it comes to ministry, my friend, I've been in this thing for a while. There are things I know through experience in ministry. Many years of being in ministry. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Give me the scripture one more time. I'm still talking about what teaching is all about. Give me the scripture. Wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. Wisdom is with aged men. And with length of days. Understanding. That's why we should never despise old people. They have seen it all. You understand? You know, one day, one day I met uh, our neighbor when I was in class eight. I remember this neighbor. He used to 
buy all types of newspapers and he could sit outside his house to read newspapers. When I think I was in class eight, he was an old man. So I met him when he was very, very old. And I told him, do you, do you remember me? He said, oh, remind me, but you look familiar. I told him, do you remember we were staying in such and such a place and we were neighbors? He said, oh, are you so-and-so? I said, yes. I was like, oh, you've grown. Because that time he saw me, I was a, a, a young boy. He said, oh, you have grown. So he asked me, so what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a pastor. I do the work of the ministry. Oh, that's a very good thing. Then the next question he asked me is, how many wives have you married? <laughs> I told him I only have one. He told me, please listen to me. Stay with one. I asked him why. He said, you know me, I married three. And he told me, it is the worst mistake I ever made in my life. So I asked him, so give me the story. Tell me. Give me the details. Give me the experience. He gave me the experience. You want to know the experience? Why? <laughs> Look at the way men are adjusting themselves on the seat. Kwani, what was your plan? What were you planning? <laughs> he told me the pain he went through. Huh? The rivalry that was there. It was crazy. So he told me, Look, my son, listen to me. I am giving you wisdom. From what? Experience. Stay with one. You will be. In fact, he told me, when I had one, I was peaceful. I don't know what got into me to add another one. Then I added another one. Problems. You, let, you gentlemen, fear women, I'm telling you. <laughs> Tell a man next to you, fear women. So teaching comes by, number one, precept, number two, by example, and number three, by, shout it louder, by, experience. So what does teaching achieve? Number one, teaching confers expertise. Teaching, ladies and gentlemen, imparts the skill needed to get the job done. Building a house, for you to build a good house, a house that will not crumble, you need skill to do so. It's not just about putting a stone on top of the other. You need skill. That's why you get an architect, you get a structural engineer, you get clerk of works, you get a foreman, you get all these people. You get a surveyor for you to be able to build a house that will withstand rain, withstand storm, withstand the wind. You know, sometimes the wind can be very, very strong. But you need all these skillful people in your building project for your project to survive all these different forces that come against anything that has been erected from the ground. So building something that is of excellence will require teaching will require information pushed into your head so that you don't neglect certain things that are important that need to be put in place for your building to stand for a very, very long time. Mediocrity or doing anything substandard doesn't need skill. Mediocrity doesn't need skill. But excellence requires skill. Expertise requires skill. And sometimes you just need to sit under a skillful man to teach you. And whatever skill they have will be transferred to you. And you will also become skillful. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 10 
to 12. The Bible says, Hear my son and receive my teachings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. Hey, I love this verse. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right path. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. Somebody shout way of wisdom. Shout it louder, way of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. What is the right application of knowledge? It is skill. So, whatever skill you are looking for, look for somebody who has it. Humble yourself. Sit under that person. Let that person teach you so that the skill that you see in that person may be transferred to you. The problem is many of us are so proud to learn. No wonder we are not that skillful. You want skill? Sit down under a skillful person. He will teach you. The writer of Proverbs says, Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. Very powerful. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have transferred some expertise in you to make you survive, to make you do well, to make you succeed, to make you build something of excellence. It will require, it will require teaching for you to be able to do so. So look at your neighbor and tell them, humble yourself. Number two, teaching clarifies controversies. Teaching clarifies controversies. There are so many controversies in our world today. Many contradictions. Many arguments, many misconceptions in our world today. I'm telling you, many contradicting or even false information passing from one end to another. Do you remember during COVID? So many theories came up, isn't it? In fact, there was a, there was a tablet that somebody was telling people to take to protect them from COVID-19. Only for the medics to say, that is, um, that is medicine for horses. <laughs> People are taking tablets that are supposed to be treating horses to protect themselves from COVID-19. Some were told, if you drink alcohol, COVID-19 will not see your throat. <laughs> Uh, a lot of information. So there is a lot of information and some of it is false information that is delivered to us today. Now, these controversies, misconceptions, or even contradictions, they lead to a lot of arguments, divisions, and even disputes. That's why you see people can debate and 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 they argue, argue, argue. This one is saying this. This one is saying this. And they argue. And then at the end, after wasting your time, one says, you stay with your argument. I will stay with my argument. No solution has been found. Contradictions. Controversies. Misconceptions have flooded our world today. For example, now people are talking about gender. Now there are people who say we are they. Neither male nor female. The family unit is being redefined. Father, mother, children. Father, father, children. Mother, mother, children. Threesome, children. <laughs> now we even have different sexual orientations. Where somebody says, I was born a man, but I feel like I'm a woman. So I want to undergo transformation so that I start looking like a woman. Can you imagine the amount of work that will go to Pastor Onesmas. 
<laughs> to make him look like a woman. First of all, you know, he's just straight. So imagine what will go into his body. My friend. It will take a while, isn't it? It's crazy. A lot of controversies. And this arguing has brought about a lot of confusion. Because there are, there are so many arguments, so many theories. And so people are split. They don't know what to believe anymore. Arguments about giving. Arguments about tithing. Arguments about serving God. Arguments about marriage. Now there is an, a, a strong argument concerning marriage. That a man can marry another man and you call that marriage. And then they can adopt a child. And you call that a family. In Uganda, they said, we don't want that nonsense. We catch you, we put you in. And everybody's making noise, saying, no, 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 why are, this? why are they doing that? Why are they? Because they don't want to be confused. And they don't want to confuse their children. And I think we need to now take a stand. Yes, we don't need to play around. We need to take a stand. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Period. Period. Not a comma. Period. You know what a period is? Full stop. You can't change it. Tell your neighbor, you cannot change it. You see, some of you are not even supporting me. They're saying, you know, you see now he's judging people. I am not judging people. He created them male and female. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Who is a wife? It's a woman. Even you as a man, how do they call you a wife? How can you wear a trouser and you behave like a woman? What is wrong with you? You are letting us down. Mwanaume ni jasho. Mwanaume ni ndevu. Mwanaume ni kukauka. Mwanaume ni misuli. Mwanaume ni tsindumbu. But you see a man. What? Be a man. Yeah, boom. Let your voice boom. We want to hear the baritone voice. Beards. Yes. Hey. Anyway. Those are arguments. It is teaching that will bring correction. You understand what I'm talking about? It is not what I fear. It is what God has said. And you cannot change what God has said. I am the Lord God. I change not. When I say marriage is between a man and a woman, no matter how you feel, it remains to be like that. Oh, I wish I had a witness in this. It can never change because of your feelings. And by the way, you are not the only one who has feelings. Even as we have feelings, but we have put our feelings under subjection. Everybody here has feelings. And some of them right now, they're having feelings for their neighbors. It is the word of God. I'm preaching in this house right now. It is the word of God that is telling them, hey, she's married. Yes, it's the word of God that is telling you you can't do it. But we have, I'm telling you, I also have feelings. Don't joke with me, I have feelings. So you can't tell me that your feelings for another man as a man are stronger than any other feelings. Even a thief has feelings. A liar has feelings. But we have decided that the word of God will rule us. Period. Period. 
tell your neighbor that's why you need teachings, 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 teachings. Teachings will clear controversies and bring clarity where people are trying to make it look like a gray area. People are not even marrying animals. Animals. You walk on the aisle with a dog. What is wrong with you? Ephesians chapter 4. The reason why God gave us teachers, somebody say teachers, is for this reason. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. He gave us teachers for these reasons, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That's a heavy verse. Very heavy. So we, we, we've been given a teacher to teach us and as we embrace teachings, what happens is it matures us. You become a mature believer. You become a mature Christian so that you are no longer tossed to and fro. Your faith rests in God. You believe in God. You follow God. You serve God. You cling to what God has said you should cling to. And you refuse to be a victim of the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So, that tells you something, ladies and gentlemen, that teachings bring balance, bring sobriety, and bring maturity in our lives. When there is teaching, you'll be balanced. When there is teaching in your life, you'll be sober. When there is teaching in your life, you will be mature. Hallelujah. It's easy to trick a child. That's why you see children are easily kidnapped. You look at this child and you see what does this child love. Then you entice the child with what the child loves. And the child will follow you, follow you, follow you, follow you, follow you, follow you, up to where you want to take that child. Teachings will make you mature. Teachings will make you sober. Teachings will make you come to a place where there are things you can never accept. No matter how they bring to you those things, you can never accept them. They can put them in movies. They can put, him, put them in showmax. They can put them in Netflix. They can put them on YouTube. But let me tell you, because you have the teachings of God inside of you, you will not accept. Glory to God. That spirit of LG. B T Q I. We command you, leave our nation. We command you, leave this country. Leave our boys. Leave our girls. Leave our men. Leave our women. We command you to leave this country in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout a louder amen and give God a shout of victory in this house. Go in the name of Jesus. Number three, teaching demystifies complexities. Teaching demystifies complexities. I don't know if you're like me, but there are some, some subjects in school which were very complex. Some people were enjoying them, but me, I was not. Very complex. I can't forget Wednesday when I was in Form 3. Wednesday. Wednesday is the day. Wednesday afternoon. Double lesson. Mathematics. And the same day, Wednesday, our lunch was jaw-breaking maze mixed with weevil-infested beans. A.K.A. Githeri. I didn't like it. So it was double torture for me. The lunch was not good. And then mathematics, double lessons. 
And the teacher who used to come to teach us mathematics never even gave us a break. Double lesson for him is double lesson. He will be in class for the two lessons. No wee-wee break. You know what wee-wee is? It was torturous, I'm telling you. I don't know what happened. Mathematics is just a mystery. Look, me, I did everything for mathematics. I even went for tuition. To be just taught mathematics. Tuition. When children are playing, me, I mean, I'm being taught mathematics. I even went to Eldoret Polytechnic to do mathematics for a month. I think it was upgrading or bridging. For a month. I was not studying anything. Every day, Monday to Friday. Monday to Friday. Then we sat for the exams. I'm telling you, I don't know what is wrong with mathematics. All the effort. I put all the effort, I put everything I learned, I bought books, I learned I, did, I studied all the the, the the formulas pi d, pi r squared do what? Vector, once there is a lesson called vector I told God, God you have seen my dedication but this thing is not working Wednesday, form three, double lessons. I will never forget. So just like the way mathematics was complex to me, there are things which can be complex to us. Very complex. Very, very complex. You try to understand, but it's very difficult to understand. Very, very complex. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that parenting can be complex? Somebody told me, you have not been a parent until you parent teenagers. Parenting can be very complex. That sometimes you don't even understand your children. And you are the one who gave birth to them. Even then they are saying they don't understand you. So both of you don't understand each other. Complex. Parenting can be complex. Sometimes overcoming grief can be complex. Overcoming your past can be complex. Dealing with your anger can be very complex. Dealing with in-laws can be complex. You can be so nice, but it's not working. I wish I had real people here. You have even decided to lie low like a flat envelope. But they turn that flat envelope into a rug and they walk over you. It can be very complex. Sometimes even dealing with your own brothers and sisters. From the same womb. Brothers and sisters. Complex. Complex. You humble yourself. Nothing. Complex. They accuse you. They say things about you. When you hear them, you get shocked. And sometimes it can even be the ones you have helped the most. Complex. Very complex. Maybe I'm the only one. If you guys have never experienced complex things, then God bless you. Complex things. Things can be complex. Sometimes things in the ministry can also be very complex. You've done your best, but it's just complex. You don't understand what is going on. Teachings, ladies and gentlemen, can empower you. To deal with complexities. For example, if you've been taught on stress management, when stress comes, you know how to handle it. True or not true? It's true. You can know how to. You, you can use some knowledge you have received to try and deal with stress. Because stress comes. If it, if it does not come, it is on the way. You understand? Marriage can stress you. I'm telling you. 
Marriage can stress you. Stress you until when you get to the bed to sleep, you can't sleep. That silence is like people are under. <laughs> That's, that, that silence is worrying. Ask your neighbor, are you under stress? <laughs> Teaching empowers you to deal with complexity. Let's look at Acts chapter 8. Hmm. Are you getting blessed? Me too. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is the story of Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. And the guy is reading something that he cannot understand. Acts chapter 8 verse 26. He's reading a passage from the book of Isaiah, but he cannot understand. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Verse 28. Was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. He was reading something that was very complex to him. Then the spirit of, then the spirit, then the spirit said to Philip, "Go and overtake his this chariot." Verse thirty. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, "Do you understand what you are reading? Understandest thou what thou readest?" And he said, "How can I unless someone guides me?" And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. So he was reading something that was very complex to him. He couldn't understand. So he invited Philip. And Philip joined him in his, in, in his chariot and the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Verse 33. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Verse 34. And so the eunuch answered Philip, he said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. He took what was complex to him and made it, made it very simple to him so that he may be able to understand what the prophet Isaiah was talking about here. What was Philip doing? He was teaching him the word of God. Teaching will always demystify complexities. Maybe you're in this church and say, this thing of tithing, I don't really understand it. Why don't you join the tea truck? Join the tea truck. Go through the classes. This thing of prayer, I don't really understand it. You know, I just see people praying. But you know, people, people, people don't know what the Bible says. People, the Bible says, go and shut yourself in the house to pray. That is only one scripture about prayer. If you want to really know about prayer, why don't you come to tree truck? Oh, me, you know me. You know this thing of church. You know, that's where you get hurt easily. Me, I cannot join a department. I cannot serve. Me, I only come on Sunday to see Jesus. After I see Jesus, I go home. Look, you are only reading one part of the Bible. You need to read the entire Bible. The Bible says there shall be a distinction between those who serve and those who don't serve. So you have to join the teacher clan so you understand why serving is important. Isn't it? Yes, there are many things. Fasting. Me, I can't fast. I'll die. You will not die. Join the teacher. Understand the power of fasting. Teaching demystifies. Teaching demystifies complexity. Me, I'm an African man. Oh, yes. I'm an African man. I can't go to the kitchen to make tea for my wife. I'm an African man. Me, I'm an African man. How do you tell your wife you love her? See, she just knows. If I change my mind, I'll let her know. Come to class. Learn. Teaching. I say teaching. I say teaching. But this 
tent is fine. We are fine. We are, look, the tent is beautiful. We are enjoying ourselves. Why should we build? Come to class. We will tell you why we are building. Ah, that money, they should have taken, them to the, taken the money to the poor. We just stay in the tent. The children are okay. Everybody is fine. We should just continue the way we are. You come. We teach you a few things. Because it's like your level of intelligence is very low. You need to learn a few things. And when you learn a few things, then you'll understand why we are building. Teaching is powerful. This man was not understanding what he was reading. But when Philip started teaching him, his eyes were opened. And what was complex, teaching was, uh, Philip was able to demystify it. And the man understood what the scripture was talking about. If you continue reading that story, the man go to a place and say, I also need to be baptized. Because now he was getting what the prophet was talking about. And he was willing to act. Amen. Tell your neighbor, be taught. Number four, the last one. Teaching induce change. Teaching induce change. Where teaching abounds, change is inevitable. You cannot be under teachings and never change. You will always change. You will be transformed. Another word for change is transformation. You will be transformed when you're exposed to teaching. Psalm 119 and verse 130. Psalm 119 and verse 130. What does the Bible say? The entrance of your words give, gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The entrance. What is entrance? Teaching. The word is coming to you. The teaching is coming to you. It's penetrating your heart. It's penetrating your mind. The entrance of your words, it gives light. So where there is darkness, when you're exposed to teaching, the light of God shines. Where there is confusion, where there is a gray area, and you expose yourself to teachings, light shines in that area. The entrance of your words giveth or gives light. Hallelujah. I pray that you'll embrace teaching. It's the language of the kingdom and is the language of building. Become a student. Be willing to learn. Be like the Ethiopian eunuch. He was willing to be instructed. And when he received information, when he received teaching, his life changed. Amen. May God bless you. Let's turn to our feet. Give God a praise in this house. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.